January 18, 2022. It's the Watt for Pedro Show. Do you remember Third Stream Music? What was called Third Stream Music? Mm-hmm. Did, I, did, did you ever want to feel much of a, an inner urge to play that kind of music? No. Why do you think it didn't catch on with the musicians? Is there anything about it that uh, suggests why it was uh, never very popular with them? Well, I don't know. Well, it, like it was an attempt. It was an attempt to, to create something, I think, with uh, more of a label, you see, than uh, true, true evolution. You mean it didn't evolve naturally out of the desires of the musicians? I don't, I don't think so. Well, it maybe it did. I, I don't. I can't say that. It was an attempt to do something, which is uh, that the evolution is about trying to, you know. But there's something uh, in evolution that man, it, it just happens when it's ready. Uh, you know, although you have to try also. And this just seemed uh, it wasn't really where it was coming from. You know, it was. Uh, it was a, what was it, an attempt to blend, to wed uh, the two musics, right? Mm-hmm. Is this mm-hmm. what it mm-hmm. really was? I, well, I suppose that's what it was supposed to be. Yeah. You said that, uh, talking about um, saxophone players, that there was a common pool that everybody uh, dipped into. Maybe here there wasn't enough of that pool, I mean, or uh, for people to dip into. Well, I, I, I just think it, it wasn't time. It, it, hadn't, uh, it was an attempt to do something at a time when it just wasn't time for this to happen. And uh, therefore, it, uh, it it wasn't lasting. But uh, there may there may have been some things that came out of this that, that have been beneficial in promoting the, the final change, which is coming. To. So nothing is really wasted, although it might you know it might appear to fail or not succeeded, you know the way that uh, men felt they would have decided to. But even the mistakes can be instructive if you know how to utilize them. <laughs>
Pedro Show. Happy Tuesday. Start off the show. John Coltrane talked to Frank Kosky, November 66, about third stream music and how he never got into that. But, you know, he tells you why. And then Grant Curry, I'm needy. And speaking of which, because of those Estonian software engineers with their Skype invention, I got with me Grant Curry. Welcome aboard, Brother Grant. Outstanding, Watt. Great yeah. to be with you. Right, bass brother. Do you remember the last day you were working with uh, James Hall, right? Last time I saw you, I was. That's right. That was a little yeah. bit ago. <laughs> that was a that was a little bit ago. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow! So it's a big honor to have you on the show, and we got to thank Howard Wolfen for the connect. Indeed, indeed, good man, Howard. Beautiful man. Brother Grant, I'm very curious about your journey in music, so please bring your earliest musical recollection. Well, shit. My earliest recollection would probably be, um, you know, just, just being a being a kid, man, and... and um, uh, Where? And Where? Young, uh, well, so I was born in, in uh, Virginia. My dad was in the Navy. You know ah, like my pop. <laughs> Yeah, you know a little bit about that. A little bit. Um, and then we moved to Hawaii uh, for a while. And then uh, we ended up in upstate New York for a few years, uh, Rochester. And, um, you know, I guess it was there that that um, both my musical journey started, my, uh, my life with diabetes started there. Um, my uh, life with drug addiction started there and just a whole bunch of stuff, you know. And so um, well, let's get into the good uh, stuff I, like the music. <laughs> well, the good stuff, man. Yeah. And um, and then I, by, you know, my by the time right as I hit my teens, we left there and we landed in Slidell, Louisiana. Wow. And I was and that's really where I kind of consider myself from the southeast Louisiana, you know, and, and I just had somebody uh, on the show, uh, Lily Lewis. Uh, she's living there now. And I know about I-12 shortcut if you don't want to go through <laughs> New Orleans. Right. That's right. The other side, north of Lake Pontchartrain. That, that's right. Stay north of the lake. That's right. Um, so what, can you bring your earliest musical recollection? Then is it is it Rochester or is it Slidell? I think it's probably Rochester, man, sitting around, um, uh, sitting around in a lot of pain about about just being alive and being confused and 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 being sick and 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 not understanding and listening to the Beatles ah. and uh, having that stuff really touch me, you know, in a, in a very deep place and and particularly all the John Lennon stuff. Sure. Um, and the, the um, bassman Paul McCartney, right? Well, at first it was John Lennon's friend, right, and that guy quit. And then Paul yeah, and that yeah. guy quit. Yeah, and you know, I'm not, I've never really been like a big McCartney fan, okay? I mean, look, Paul McCartney's great, all right? So uh, I'm not looking to start any fights. But he just, <laughs> he was just never really my influence, you know? It was always Lennon. And I mean, if, I, I did always tune into the bass, you know? But, but you know, from early on, I started, I started on guitar when I was like 11 years old, okay? Yeah, and what guitar, was there? What in the pad where you grew up? Yeah, I had. Well, I bought. Uh, I had an acoustic guitar. Okay. And 
uh, I, that's what I thought. I thought I wanted to be a guitar player. And so, you know, I worked with that a bit. And then I remember going to, you know, summer camp as a kid. I went to a camp for, for boys with diabetes, all right? Yeah. And this place was like Mecca. And it was uh, Camp Joslin in uh, Massachusetts. And it was, it was part of the Joslin Diabetes Center. And uh, I had this counselor, uh, Ben, who, uh, Ben Jacobson. And he was a guitar player. He has a guitar camp. And he had this black Ampeg stud, okay? And the Ampeg stud series, they were only made in 1973 and 74. And this thing was like an SG copy looking thing. And although it just didn't really sound exactly like an SG, this thing was plywood, man. It was like 30 ply. <laughs> and, and so anyways, I, I just thought Ben was the coolest and I loved his guitar. And I'll never forget like the next winter and, and those, those experiences, they, they impacted my life sure. in such a heavy way. Right. Right. And, um, Anyways, like the next winter, I was looking around to buy an electric guitar, and I found in the paper in the want ads. You know, you remember that the fucking old school, like yeah. looking through the want ads. It's shit. You know, you didn't have like the eBay and and the online stuff. You had to look through the paper. Sure. And I saw an ad for an Ampeg stud, and I freaked out. It was 150 bucks. And 150 bucks is what I had saved up. That's all I had at the point. And I'm like, Dad, I got to see this guitar. Can you please take me? Can you please take me? And so he drove me one evening after he got off of work. And we uh, we went to this dude's apartment to go check this guitar out. And he had, sure enough, a black Ampeg stud. The exact same one that Ben Jacobson had. Whoa. And... I just completely lost it, man. I like I gotta have this thing, so I bought it. I paid him, paid him asking price for it. And on the way home, you know, I didn't have anything to play it through. And on the way home, my dad took me to a music store, and they were only open for another fifteen minutes. And we went in and had <clears throat> all these beautiful amps in there. I don't remember what, but real expensive stuff and i couldn't afford any of it but there was this one amp little practice amp little five watt practice amp and it was a the brand was zap z-a-p-p okay <laughs> and and my dad it was 60 dollars, and my dad being really cool in that moment he said i'll take care of it. whoa you can you can I'll, I'll, I'll pay, I'll pay for part of it and you can owe me, you know, whatever. And so he bought the zap amp for him for $60, took it home, man. And I plugged that guitar in, didn't even have all his strings on. I had a couple strings broken off and I played the shit out of it in the back den for my parents. And it was probably just nothing but racket. And I was so happy, man. <laughs> Speaking of money, what was the first record you bought with your own money? Man, I love that question. You know what? It was Yes, Fragile. Whoa, a lot of notes. 
Yeah. <laughs> a big bass. Yeah, man. I found yes, out guys. later the bass, uh, Chris Squire, it was his band. Yep. Whoa. That's and, it. In fact, Rick Wakeman was supposed to be the piano player for the Spiders from Mars, but Chris Squire said, I'll pay you more. And now, what was the first gig you saw, Grant? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Little factoid um, there. You know, the, I think that I think the first gig that I ever saw was when Beatlemania, when the Beatlemania production was touring in the seventies, the oh, late seventies. Oh yeah, 70s. I remember that. I saw that. Whoa, whoa! And uh, what about at school? Were you in the marching band, or were you just home alone with that guitar? I was mostly home alone with the guitar, but I did play in the jazz ensemble for a short time. But I couldn't play half of the shit. I mean. You know, like the chord structures or this jazz stuff that we were doing, I right. couldn't, I, I couldn't wrangle that. And, well, and what instrument? Uh, were you on the guitar? I was, I was on guitar, and there was another dude there who was playing bass, and he was actually quite good, but he was a way better guitar player than I was. Um, and anyways, I, I half of the songs, whenever we would do like, you know, uh, uh, you know, presentations for the school or whatever. Right. I'd have to just be up there on stage with my volume turned off and, and looking like I was playing. <laughs> just faking it, man. Uh, okay. it, was, it was pretty pathetic. It was embarrassing. <laughs> Look, you gave me this Cops and Criminals song. I want to play it. Oh, right on. Okay.
draw your line. There's no Pedro show that chunky music star with Grant Curry doing Cops and Criminals. Then we had the Black Dots out of Denton, Texas. Sinner Man, you you do right, right? That's uh, Nina Simone and a can, a little medley of covers there. Uh, Aora times Origin times Titus 12 with Magma Pulse. This is some clips. 
some stuff they got coming out. The Hellbeans out of England, brand new China latest. Helvetia from their new album, Better Get Gifted. Brand new from Northern Jaw here in Strong Beach. Prelude, The Lost Art of Patience is the first part of the big opera from Michael. And then Grant Curry, people. Okay, let's pick up. Yeah. So you're, you're, you're miming it at the gigs. <laughs> yeah, how how do you get that? What's the, the connect with the bass, Brother Grant? Okay, so not long after that, I, I landed in a, in, a, uh, in a drug treatment center, okay? And so you got to understand, I had, I had a lot of problems when I was young and a lot of, like, emotional problems and... Then I started taking drugs and drinking, and that became its own problem. Um, and, you know, like life was just, life was fucking hard. And I was trying to, trying to deal with it. I was, I was trying to deal with the reality of, uh, you know, being told that I wasn't going to live very long, you know? Yeah. And because uh, that, that's what the reality was back then in in the 70s with, with living and so anyways um i was it i was really a mess okay and so i ended up at this drug treatment center i was running away from home uh one night from slidell and and i had two friends from school that were you know they were also a mess and they we were I was going with them and and so anyways my parents somehow found out and they intercepted what and i i was i was institutionalized for about for about a year okay okay and um and that all sucked you know of course uh but but you know there was a lot of positive things that came out of that and might have saved your life right i actually What's that? Might have saved your life. Well, it did save my life. And I was, in fact, very sick at the time because I didn't take care of myself. Right. And so uh, so I got clean, man. I got off the drugs and I and I stopped drinking. And uh, just as a side note, uh, I just now I'm coming up on 40 years of being clean. Yeah. And so anyways, I get clean. I'm in like a halfway house forever. And then eventually I come home and I started going to like local AA meetings and NA meetings. And I met these guys that were, you're going to like this too. They were, they were like, these guys were former sailors. They were Navy guys okay. that somehow they had been stationed out in like San Diego together and, and they had all been junkies. And so they ended up in Slidell somehow and they started a band and they were several years older than me. One day, they're having band rehearsal over at at, uh, at Bob's uh, trailer. He lived in a mobile home, and they called me up and they're like, because they knew I was a guitar player. And hey, Grant, man, you think he'd come over and sit in on bass today? Our bass player can't make it. I'm like, yeah, yeah. So I go over, and they hooked me up with a bass, and I fucking loved it. Now you'd never been I on a bass had- before that, right? No, no, no. And it spoke to me. It spoke to me so deeply. And from that point on, I just knew this is my instrument. 
you know, I was an okay guitar player, and I suppose today I'm still an okay guitar player, but it just never spoke to me. Yeah. And 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 it still doesn't really speak to me. You know, I can write on a guitar, that's fine, but 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 as as like a real expression, it was the bass. And and I had also played cello when I was like real young, but I didn't stick with that because I had an impatient teacher and he was just grumpy and, and it wasn't fun, you know. But uh so anyways, I then eventually like I don't know, I think I was playing in another like you know, like recovery cover band. Okay. Okay. Uh, uh, did that for a bit. And then when I was like late teens, uh, early twenties, I also, I worked in a treatment center, you know, I was like a counselor and, and on the side playing in this, like, you know, cover band. And that was fun, but, but I just wasn't really into the whole cover thing. And, and meanwhile, I'm at home and I'm listening to, you know, um, I'm listening to Gang of Four. I'm listening uh, to Dave Allen, right? Minuteman. D- Dave Allen on the bass. Yeah, Dave Allen, man. Some, some good, d- yeah, some I'm good playing to, in that I'm, stuff. Oh man. I'm, I, I was heavy into Minuteman at the time. I was heavy into Fire. I heard of those I guys. <laughs> yeah, so, you so, did. So, so and, can I ask you about the bass? So you didn't have anybody teaching. You were learning by listening to other cats. Yeah, yeah, and I I spent a lot of time. I had this I had this BB uh, King and Bobby Blue Bland record live at the Coconut Grove, sure. and I listened to that record yeah. a lot, and I played along to that. And that taught me a lot. And I also listened a lot to the Clash first record. Bobby Blue Bland, I can't remember the guy on the bass here, but you know of that style of bass playing, there was a guy in Austin, right, Keith Ferguson. Okay. Fabulous Thunderbirds, Tailgaters. Man, was oh, he yeah. good. He was so good. That that kind of greasy. Uh, yeah, R&B kind of bass. I mean, I think Junk killed him late, sooner or later. But yeah. he was a great, great player. So one good thing about being in the cover band, though, you got to hear a lot of different ways bass guys were taking songs, right? you know, dealing with songs. Yeah. Right? By learning yeah. other people's songs, right? You were learning yeah, uh, different approaches. to Yeah, right. I was going to say some James Jamerson. Yeah. Uh, when I met you, you were playing with James Hall. And, man, if he did not sing like Richard Hell, who was a big bass. <laughs> he was my first punk rock uh, hero, right? And he was a bass man. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, in fact, I think James told me he was from Bowling Green. Is That's that right? right. Right, Western Kentucky, and Richard That's Hell's correct. actually from Lexington. You know, the big town in the middle. But yeah, okay, okay. So, I mean, you know, yeah. Who wants to be in a cover band, right? But at least you got to check out what other cats were doing on the bass. You know, since you didn't have like a mentor. Yeah, and I got to play. Yeah, yeah, that too. You worked the fingers. Oh, you didn't tell me what kind of bass. Yep. Well, I had to borrow for quite a while. So I remember like borrowing a, a dude's um, like Yamaha, like P-Base yeah. uh, copy kind of thing. But then eventually, let's say I put some scratch together and I I bought myself a white Japanese Fender Jazz. Okay. And I loved that instrument. That was, that was a great instrument. And then, and what then about, I started what about Amplifier? What about amplifier, Grant? Then I, I think I think at the time I had 
I think I bought like a, a four ten TV cabinet that was a pretty loud cab, and then like maybe some like they got a Fender solid state head that was pretty loud also. Okay. Uh, and I was playing over at my buddy Bob's house, uh, the same Bob uh, who I had sat in with years ago. Wow. And we started a band called the Kabilskis, and we were like writing our own stuff as uh, along with doing some like that's you know, the antidote for the stuff. cover band itis yeah <laughs> that's yeah the, that's a, brother grant we're at the end of the first hour january 18 2022 special guest grant curry whole time for hour two January 18, 2022, it's the second hour of the Life from Pedro Show.
your bedtime song.
Watford Pedro Show started off the second hour off with Grant Curry doing Primal. And then we had Paranoid State, brand new from Holland with Force Field. Mamas Prendon. This is brand new. D.C. area. Garbage Train. Sam Lockward. Bob Bucko Jr. with Best in Show. Dubuque and Iowa City, Iowa. Both those cats. Mellow Main. Lives. Complicated Melody. And finally, Silence from Grant Curry. So your buddy Bob, you're still with him. Now you're making a band. He turns you on to bass. You're on the bass. And now you guys are writing your own tunes. Yeah, we're writing our own tunes. And you got and a band called the Kabilskis. That's right. We got a band called the Kabilskis, named after this family that he, he grew up with, that he knew in Pittsburgh when he was younger. And then... Um, Which makes sense. Big Polish neighborhood in Pittsburgh. Yeah, that's right. right. Andy Warhol. That's right. right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, Bob... Bob lost his son when he was eight years old. And I was I was very close with his boy, Bobby. And yeah. Bobby Bobby got involved in an accident at a construction site and uh, died from a head injury. And and uh, and that was a really heavy time for, for Bob and for yeah. me. And Bob had these twin daughters, too, uh, Rachel and Rochelle. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful young girls. And um, uh, I don't know, man, there's something about that time that I think really shaped me as to like you know who I was going to be as an adult and and I think ultimately also who I was going to be as a musician and uh I don't know man I think it threw me into life deeper with a deeper determination sure of sorts and uh and Bob and I kept playing together as long as we could but then I eventually moved from Slidell Louisiana and he was still there he's actually still there and uh he's doing great uh, and I moved into New Orleans and I and I actually that's when I hooked up and I found James Oh yeah right that's now I remember Yeah and I found Lynn you know who was our guitar player and right. Sterling our drummer and I fell in with those guys and and really connected with what what they were doing musically, you know, I mean, I just so deeply identified with when I first saw them, I thought, man, I got to be a part of it. What was and the pad before it was called One-Eyed Jacks? Shim Sham. Shim Sham. Right. French Quarter, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I fell in with them and we were doing this like weirdo kind of, I don't know, man, Velvet Underground meets... Uh, Voidoids, it, it kind of remind me of Richard Hell Voidoids. Yeah, it, it yeah. was a great band, yeah, man. I remember sure. seeing you guys. You guys floored me. It was intense, man. Uh, yeah, and I remember, I remember playing with you when you were with Pornos. Yep. Howie Wolf. No, no, it was actually. It was at the Masquerade in Atlanta. Oh, Atlanta. Okay, Atlanta. yeah, yeah. Kind of like a Hollywood-looking place, all painted black. Yeah, and real big, big, right, big room. Right, right, right. And, uh, but in New Orleans, we played Howl Wolf, which was terrible sound, like a warehouse pad. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Uh, well, Masquerade I, I didn't have that good a sound either. <laughs> nah, sure didn't. But yeah, we played, we played gig together, and then we played yeah. a few weeks later together at the... At the Eden Festival, the Mossport Raceway. In That's Australia. right, Eden Festival, absolute. Yeah, and uh, I, I'll never forget, man. When we were, we had just arrived at the festival site, and we're kind of hanging out behind the main stage, and you came charging up, and you know, you were you were in you were flying your flannel, you were in your Converse, and. <laughs> 
you just came up to me, man. You just grabbed me. You lifted me up, gave me a big old bear hug. And you just said, and you just said, you said, base. <laughs> and, and, uh, and then you were telling me, he's like, yeah, man, I got to go get into my, into my monkey suit. You know, like they're making me wear these, they're making me wear these, uh, you know, these, 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 these rags. And whatever. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> But you got you guys played a great set there. Man. Oh, I love those a, guys. They're beautiful cats. Fantastic, man. And Perry was at the top of his oh, game. Oh yeah, yeah. Perk and uh, Peter and yeah, beautiful guys. Yeah, Peter. Uh oh, yeah. and then uh I think we played the next day. But anyways, uh yeah, and then I think you and I hooked up a couple times more over the years, like maybe played a gig. Um I think we played a gig one time out in Orange County when you had when you had Nels playing with you. That's right, black gang. Yeah. Yep, yep, doing my first um, opera. Look, you gave me this, uh, the album version of Roll Around. I want to play oh, yeah. it. yeah. Okay? Let me play it there. Yeah.
that'll take a ride out past the hollow bridge where our love just went south. And how I miss the day that you were mine, your every curve and line, and the shape of your mouth.
Not for Pedro show. <laughs> I'm learning some secrets off air, people. Um, that was Grant Curry starting that chunk of music off with the album version of Roll Around. And then Hack Picciotto out of Berlin with Meteor's Rain from their new album, Head Cut. Brand new Heart Niagara, or like my Italian buddies call it, Niagara. That's near Rochester. Buffalo, really. Uh, XX, 20, right? And then finally, Grant Curry with 6-6. Six, six. You, me, and everyone else. <laughs> you got to tell me about this, some of the songs. Well, that we're so what do you want here. to know? Well, like these, these songs that you call Grant Curry. Under your own well, name. Uh, you mean like Roll Around? Like roll around, like all right. Well, look, si roll around was silence, like primal, yeah. like people, like cops and okay, criminals. Okay, well, ro roll, roll around, roll around the club. That was a James Hall solo thing that we had. Oh, pleasure club. And, yeah, and we did really well with that actually for about yeah. five years. And uh, unfortunately, we were just kind of like fucked up as a unit together, and we couldn't keep together because we were actually like really starting to pull people. And we were starting to make a living. And it was a drag that we split up. But we did. And then I was producing music in my studio outside of New Orleans for a few years. And, and just like making underground and indie albums at my, at my uh, Bayou side uh, studio. And then, uh, and then eventually after the storm, I had to leave. I had to move inland. We're talking and Katrina, right? Uh, yeah. And I came here to Atlanta. And uh, life kind of fell apart for a while, and then things came together, and I, I eventually got a studio here in Atlanta, and, and then I, I started, like, putting some song ideas together, and that's where songs like Primal come from. Okay. Uh, and that, that stuff, which is all called Flood Twin. Flood and, Twin, that's right. That's the name of the project. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. so Flood Twin, I ended up teaming up with this dude, Jay Leslie Hedberg, who's just a dynamite dynamite guitar player he's got equal parts roland howard uh he's got some richard lloyd in him uh, um he's roland he's howard was something player. else man i got to see the birthday they played yeah. hollywood once at the roxy yeah and i got to see him and the skinniest legs like pipe cleaner but man and the treble he was up there with d boom with the high end whoa but he was great. I wish I could have seen them. Drenched in reverb, right? He's got like the Fender Twin all the way reverbed up. All the way verbed up. And out. they started with yeah. the Stooges song, Loose. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but like birthday party version, Loose. <laughs> yeah, I love Trace, that stuff. Tracy I mean, Pugh on the bass, yeah. right? Leather, leather chaps and a cowboy hat. And he was grinding incredible. it. Incredible. Oh, yeah. yeah, great, Absolutely great incredible. Bass, yeah. Certainly an influence of mine. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I uh, he had one of those old acoustic, 70s acoustic amps, and I could see the EQ. And he had it really cut deep around three, 400 hertz. But the bass way up high, the treble way up high, but then a big old notch in the low lots mid. Lots of 60, lots of 100. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah And man. he was just grinding his hips like, you know, John Holmes. Well... I hope that I can grind my hips <laughs> even just just half as much as he could, you know. But he, uh, you know who was who took after him a lot was uh, Mr. David Sims from Jesus Lizard. He's oh, a, he's yeah, a big absolutely. student of Tracy Pugh. Absolutely, yeah. and and I gotta say, 
David Sims, like he also found his own thing, you know. Oh yeah, absolute, absolute. I'm just yeah. saying he was in yeah. that classroom. Yeah, dynamite, dynamite. Um, well, yeah, I started like writing the Flood Twin stuff, and and then I teamed up with Jay Leslie Hedberg, and we just had this really incredible kind of chemistry together. And then uh, we knew we needed to get a drummer. We got Sterling involved, who you know had played with me back in the day with James. Right. And Sterling had actually gone into seclusion for years and years and years. And it wasn't until Flood Twin that he actually came out and he loved, he loved what we were doing. He identified with it. And uh, I mean, not only did he like work out as a drummer, he just, he connected with it in such a deep way. And, and he plays really well with Jay. Uh, certainly plays well with me as a rhythm section. Um, and those two guys are really something. So, you, so you got a power trio. I got a power trio, and man, is it powerful! And it's dark. <laughs> it's dark, and it's and it's beautiful, man. And I'm I'm singing in it too, which is a, a new thing for me. But but I had all these things that I that I wanted to say, and I've needed to say, and so it just made sense. And I do more of a speak sing thing. That's all right. That's, it's your turn, brother Grant. Look, right we're at on. the end of the second hour, January 18, 2022. Dishwat Peter's special guest, Grant Curry. Hold tight for hour three. September 18, 2022. It's the third hour of the Watch for Pedro show.
thing. This nation will rise up, live out the true meaning of its creed. Watch state of mind. Oh.
called Ballroom Dance is Dead. That's the name of the project. Yeah. And we, we did a cover of India. We're talking about like Live at the Village Vanguard. Yeah. When with Eric Dolphy's sitting in with the John Coltrane Quartet. You have got to hear the Ballroom Dance is Dead version of India. Well, I'd love to. I'd love to. You, you didn't flow it to me, though. So you got you to gotta do that. Tell me. Uh, promise me, please. Yeah. Let, let's tell the people. We heard India from Grant Curry. Then Marion Ramsey with uh, Kingford Day. And finally, well, Grant Curry with in Memorandum. Oh. King for the Day, that's for Dr. King yesterday. And I was thinking of John Coltrane's Reverend King, but uh, couldn't find it in time. Sometimes Man, thank you. that together. But, <laughs> thank, uh, you for playing, thank you for playing in Memorandum. That's a beautiful song, and I'm very proud of that. I did that with James Salter several years ago. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about that tune. Yeah, uh, great guy. Uh, uh, he's he's uh, he's guy from guy from Backwater, Georgia, originally, and 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 we connected up in the during like I guess the James Hall years and became friends, and then uh, we connected later and started making some making some music together, and we did it all on all on bass. I was playing four string, and he was playing a six string Fender bass, yeah. and that whole album is 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 all bass. Uh, 
and just beautiful instrumental stuff. He's he's more of a producer than he than he he produces more than he plays, but um, but he's a great player and he's also a beautiful horn player. That's him playing playing sax on that song. And in fact, on the on the rest of that album, which we titled X Felines, yeah. uh, we did have a little guitar, and that was uh, Daniel Ash from Bauhaus. Whoa, uh, yeah, sure. Guests, also, Loving Rockets guests. with his brother, right? Yes, indeed. I, I know those cats because the porno guys yep. knew them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, good guy. Now, uh, what, what's James doing these days? James... Uh, well, he's actually been living in the Atlanta area himself okay. uh, since after the storm. And because um, their home flooded out really badly and and they came up this way and he's just been doing like, you know, some side band stuff and some solo stuff. And, you know, he's still making records. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I always thought he was something, you know, and I loved you guys' band and it's something else. But, okay. Damascus. What record's this from? Damascus. That is from uh, Ballroom Dance Dead. Okay, okay. Let's listen. Thank you. 
Black for Pedro show. Started the last music of this edition. That chunk, Grant Curry with The Mask, then Ray Shin with Don't Try. It's the name of uh, Charles Bukowski. Oh, he's buried here in Pedro. He lived his last 14 years. That's what it says on his gravestone. New woman. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, that's why I wanted you on the show. I wanted enlighten you with that brother Greg. Yeah, people you're right. die that's what they do from new woman that was from their first record then the ratchet orchestra out of uh montreal with dusty live in 2011 and finally james hall doing a cover of the stooges dirt oh i found this on youtube.com wow yeah we dug in for that one we got righteous baseline dave alexander thank you sir <laughs> yeah man you know that David, David Michael Alexander was his name, and my name's Michael David Watt. Was, 125 months I got to help those cats out. I just love, I remember the first time I did it with those guys. It was the Coachella. Yeah, I remember thing, when right? you did that. It was beautiful, man. It was beautiful. I thought it was going to be one gig, right? Coachella. It ended up being 125 months worth. But I remember we're playing it, and Ig stops us. And he goes up to me, he goes, are we in the right key? And I said, yeah, because the wind was blowing real hard, right? It's out in the polo grounds in the desert. He said, I said, yeah, we're in the right key. He said, start it again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I couldn't believe it was happening, you know. I could not yeah. believe it was uh, that the Stooges were happening and somehow I was helping. <laughs> yeah, man, you were indeed. So right now, what you got going in your studio? You, you bring people in there or a lot of it's yeah. uh, your own yeah, stuff? Yeah, not a lot. I mean, I, I'm pretty selective. You know, I'm not like I'm not like trying to sell myself too hard. Right. out there as a as a producer or engineer i mean if i find something cool i want to work on then I'll, I'll try and bring it in like but right like right now actually i just got uh i got asked to produce a sugar tooth record and i don't know if you remember them from the 90s sure they were a heavy band heavy heavy band from la and um they uh with joey castillo playing drum okay yeah uh, and uh anyways uh they have asked me they're, they're doing their first record in 25 years and they've asked me to produce it i'm thrilled about it absolutely thrilled about it they're great guys and the material is super cool so i'll be going up to new york city probably in a few weeks and we're going to track and then i'll mix i'll mix the record down here in atlanta and what do you call your plaid your studio i just i don't know that i have a name for it mike i'm sorry okay, that's I, all right that's I all called, right i called my studio in, in the when i had my studio in louisiana i yeah. called it music for chameleons yeah um and i think now i just call it studio g at madison records okay okay so they're going to track it now did they send you demos so you know what the stuff's yeah looking yeah i've been listening like? to okay. demos right right yep. and you think that's important i mean it's important that people get prepared when they come in the studio right yeah for sure i mean if it well i mean it depends on the kind of band you are too but yeah i mean it's it's benefiting these guys to, to be prepared i mean their stuff has you know ha their songs have some structure and they need to know what that is and 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 be as comfortable as they can with it and so that when they get in the studio they can just loosen up you know and and uh so yeah i've been listening to demos with them and you know they've been coming to me and asking me well hey what do you think about this what do you think about that well, that's what i'm going to ask you your idea of the producer's role in something like this yeah uh, my idea of the producer's role is to encourage creativity as much as possible, yeah. to encourage confidence within the within the band and, right. and among the players, and encourage people to, you know, be their most exciting they can be. And I don't necessarily want to, like, run the show. That's not very interesting to me. Uh, I mean, and with a band like this, they're not looking to, they're not looking to put together hits. Hey, man, we want to have a hit record. They want to make a satisfying record that makes them happy. So, you know, so I just keep that in mind. You know, and so what you're uh, telling me is you don't think the producer's role is to pull a gun on the band, not this producer. <laughs> no, 
No, man. <laughs> you ever hear the story about Johnny Ramone talking about Phil Spector? Yeah, fucking ridiculous. Man, that guy is fucking crazy. Look, he was he might have been been brilliant in some areas, but he was fucking nuts. That's right. No, nah, man, I don't want to I don't I don't want to being a producer to me, it's not it's not being a boss of a project. It's well, just, look, look it's just, your best credential is being a bass man in a band. So you understand well, from the ground level. Yeah. I I think being a bass player and, and, and a producer is a really beneficial thing. Absolutely. I mean, look at a guy like Tony Visconti. Right, right. Who was primarily a bass player. And yeah, what right. he could bring, you know? Sure, sure. Those Dave Bowie albums, oh, my God. They're put together fantastically, you know? Yeah, yeah. And he's still going, right? He's upstate New York. Yeah, yeah. The guy is super talented. He's still going. Yeah, beautiful. So, beautiful. I, you know, I do... I do that some of the time, Mike. I'm not I'm not a full time producer, but yeah. uh, I do it some of the time, and and I really enjoy it. And I'm really looking forward to this upcoming project. Uh, but I'm also looking forward to maybe trying to get out. Like once once we have some break with this fucking COVID, I'd love to get out and do some flood twin dates. You know, it's just not right to do it. Right sure, now. sure. So uh, so in the future, uh, some flood twin. Band is, okay. The, this band is on fire. It's the be- I think it's the best thing I've ever been involved in. I think Flood Twin is the best record I've ever made. And um, it's real exciting to me. And I, I really enjoy performing as frontman for the band. And uh, Let me ask you, is Flood, uh, is Flood Twin recording right now? We're not recording right now. I do have, uh, you know, since... Okay, so we released the debut record in uh, October. Oh, shit, just uh, recent. Okay, and, okay. Yeah, this past October. We've had a fair amount of underground press on it. Uh, it's going to radio this week, okay. uh, and we're hoping to get some, you know, both college play and some specialty commercial play. Um, we'll where, see how where that can goes. People, can I ask you, Grant? Where can people find out about Flood Twin on the internet? Is there a website? Well, go to go to SoundCloud. We're on SoundCloud. We don't care for Spotify. We do not have our stuff available there. We're at SoundCloud, and uh, you can find us at FloodTwin.com. Okay. FloodTwin.com. And uh, uh, we're going to be making another record later, later this year. Man, when you do, would you come back on the show and we can play it and talk about it? I sure will, man. I'd love to. Because uh, you know me and power trios. I'm way into that. (laughs) Man, yeah. And I think think you'd, uh, I think you could really dig this, this Flood Twin stuff because, you know, it's it's power trio, but it's also, it's minimal. It's really minimal. That's great. You know, I love it. You know, more room in the van. <laughs> lots of lots of bottom coming through, man. Lots of bottom, and I think uh, we can in there. So okay, then we got a date, man. You get that stuff together, come back on the show. I'd be, it'd be a big Excellent. honor to have you back on board. Yeah, thank you so much. Okay, keep on keeping on, brother Grant. People, it's been the January eighteenth, twenty twenty two edition. What Pedro? Keep your powder dry. <laughs>